Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. And here's your 30-second summary. Once upon a time, in the most classic of fairy tale ways, a handsome ruler married a beautiful princess. Then a mystical man promised to guide them and their family to safety. But in grim fairy tale fashion, they only found themselves ending a 300-year family reign and losing everything. The end. Let's talk about the last Romanov family. But first, let's drop them into history. In 1918, Tarzan of the Apes, the first Tarzan film, premiered at a Broadway theater. Stars and Stripes, a weekly U.S. Armed Forces newspaper, begins publication. The first daylight savings time goes into effect. The Spanish flu pandemic is spread across the globe. World War I ended. And on a July night in 1918, the Romanov family was murdered in the basement of the house where they had been in exile. Hello, everybody. Hi. Today we are going to tackle some Russian pronunciation. <laughs> and I would like to say up front thank you to Evgeny and Vladimir for helping us with some pronunciations, which we may or may not use. I know one I'm not going to use, Zakuski. Wow, that was beautiful. The other thing is, you're not going to hear us say the T-S in Tsar. We know, we know that it's pronounced that way, but it's affected to say that kind of thing in our accent, and it's just a distraction. So we're probably going to say Tsar, mm -hmm. and we're not going to say Tsaritsa, which is what the Russians would have called her. We're going to go with the more common Tsarina, which mm -hmm. is Germanic-based, because that's what everybody's used to hearing. Right. So just a few formalities. Also, any pronunciations that we flub are not Evgeny's fault, are not Vladimir's fault. We They rest <laughs> with us. Yeah, Sorry, it's a guys. whole new language for us. <laughs> we try. Yeah, we try. So, anyway, let's start. Let's start with Tsarina Alexandra. She was born, deep breath, Princess Victoria Alex Helena Louise Beatrice of Hesse and by Rhine, but called Alex by the family. <laughs> she was born in 1872. She was the sixth child of Grand Duke Louis of Hesse and Alice, who was the third child of Queen Victoria. So we're already connected to the British royal family. So if you need more backstory on that, go back and listen to our Queen Victoria podcast. So where is this place Hesse? Well, it doesn't exist anymore as a separate country, although it is a state in Germany. And if you've read any Regency novels, you know those strapping young men in the tight pants with the tall Hessian boots? Well, this would be where the Hessian boots are from. Hooray. It's just one of lots of these small German monarchies. They all went away at the conclusion of World War I. Um, it's kind of center-left on the map of Germany. 15,000 Hessian troops actually fought on the British side in our Revolutionary War. So, high in there. Well, it was a way to make money for that little country. Right. It's very hilly. There's not a whole lot going on. Uh, well, there's vineyards, but there's mm -hmm. not a whole lot of monetary gain, so they... Mercenaries was a good export. Yeah. <laughs> now, Alice and Louis got married only six months after Prince Albert had died. So, you know, Queen Victoria was in mourning for the rest of her life. So the wedding was like a funeral, said Queen Victoria, because it was so depressing. Well, I'm not sure if we actually talked about this during the Queen Victoria podcast, but I know there's a special feature on the website about the short, unhappy life of Queen Victoria's daughter, Alice. She lost one son at three when he fell out of a window. He just never recovered because little Freddie died because he had hemophilia. Right, and that she, he had gotten through Victoria's bloodline. 
That's a disease where your blood just doesn't clot, so the slightest bump will cause internal bleeding, hemorrhaging. It's a big deal. This disease ran rampant through the royal families of Europe, mostly all this intermarrying. Well, Alice was a carrier, and she passed the genes on to her daughter, Alex, which becomes critically important later. It is. It's important to the story. After her, the death of her little son, Alice became really obsessed with with helping the poor, there are worse things to be obsessed with. Right. She founded hospitals. She founded schools. She visited the poor. She took her daughters to visit the poor. She instilled in them that that was a great duty. It was very important to her that duty came first. She was very serious. You'll never really get a picture of Alice smiling. And as a matter of fact, little Alecky, which is what they called her, recalled never, ever seeing her mother smile. Sad. Alex was actually also nicknamed Sunny. They called her Sunny in the family. So she was a, she was a happy child early in her life. Uh, Alecky and her but. sisters were brought up in the perpetually impoverished court of her big, fat, friendly papa. They were taught very practical things to cook, to sew. They had this faithful Nanny McPhee character called Orky who made him clean up their own messes and gave him hugs. That's good for any child. Make them clean up their messes and give them some hugs. Yeah. Uh, you know, even for one related to half the kings of Europe. That's right. <laughs> Alex was considered too young for real lessons, so she was the passenger on Mama's trips of mercy. A lot of times Alex got to hold the bandages, or her mother gave her the flowers before they went in and said, you give them the flowers. You always try to give the kids a little nice job. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everyone likes getting flowers. Yeah, and so Alex, a cute child. Good parenting, Alice. So with this jovial papa... Simple food, fresh air, just enough work. This family was pretty close. Yeah. Until, one by one, all the children were stricken by the diphtheria. At the time, that was pretty much untreatable, except for anything but hope and prayer and Mm -hmm. time. Papa went down, too. And Mama Alice nursed every single one of those. I mean, they would find her just completely falling asleep face down on someone's bed, Mm -hmm. just having collapsed with exhaustion. And she did not get the sickness. It's almost like her body was staving it off until she wasn't needed anymore. Week after week of no sleep, hardly any food. Then the littlest girl died. She did. And the story goes that Mama went to tell the son, who was also sick, and gave him a kiss and a hug to console him. And that's when she caught the disease. On December 14th, six-year-old Alecky lost her mother, who died at only 35 years old. And I don't say this about many people, but I think the world literally lost something when Alice died. She was doing so much good in her country, Mm -hmm. and she was raising those children so grounded Mm -hmm. and so nice, and I just really think the world was robbed when she died. Alex was robbed. I mean, she lost her sunny disposition at that point. I mean, she'd lost her sister, who she was very close to in age, and now mom's dead. So a little bit later, um, Alex and her brother and sisters were running in the garden, and there are these cold frames. I don't know. I'm not so much of a gardener, but the gardeners there had were growing vegetables under glass mm-hmm. to keep them, you know, for winter, yeah, mm-hmm. keep them warm. And the brother and sisters kind of knew well enough to avoid them, but Alex ran right through a cold frame, and the speed with which she was going, you know, and just the sheer, like, I didn't know what was happening for a long time. You know, when you get cut, you don't feel it for a while. So she got mm-hmm. cut worse and worse and worse and worse, destroyed her legs, mm-hmm. cut her to no tomorrow. She was unconsolable, and she pretty much screamed for her mother for weeks. Ugh, that's heartbreaking. I know, and that injury lasted her her whole life, too, and never did heal properly. And so anytime you talk about pain in her legs, pain in her legs, mm-hmm. that came from that childhood, mm-hmm. mishealed, the muscles never healed properly, right. yeah. That's a deep, deep wound. Both emotional and physical. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. 
So Queen Victoria tried her best to help out. I mean, she was grandma law. After all, these simply raised children were taken to Windsor Palace. <laughs> and it was just like, what the heck? Um, you know, it was too serious. It was too full of pomp and too full of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Also ironic, given her future life, which yeah, cracks me up. Definitely. So Gan Gan, which is what they called Queen uh-huh. Victoria, gave her a pony cart because of her poor legs. And um, she took Alaki everywhere as her little mascot while she was working. She's the only one. She loved Alaki. She was quiet. She was well-behaved. And she just really took her as a favorite. Yeah, I think that it was some loving time when they were in England with their grandmother. Yeah, a quiet, well-behaved child is all well and good, but if they don't have any spirit left, it's kind of sad, too, I think. Yeah. Victoria also helped out with their education. While she was there, they were um, taught deportment and the arts and math and piano. Um, Alex was actually a very accomplished pianist, and her favorite was Wagner. That seems dark. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? (laughs) But, I mean, he's German. That's good. (laughs) So... They had a tutor. Her name was Maggie Jackson, and she encouraged the girls to think for themselves, especially Alex, and not fall for typical um, female roles at the time, to just think for themselves. And having your grandmother, you know, rule over a quarter of the world's population was probably a good role model, too, you know. Alex studied literature, history, religion, English, French, as well as the girl education, like piano and drawing and embroidery. Can't leave that out. You know, still... This kills me. Still, the most important thing to pretty much everyone that surrounded her, good looks and fine manners she had. Wasn't she marriageable because of her good looks and fine manners? Well, Queen Victoria decided, okay, Alex is going to marry my grandson, Eddie. He's going to be the future king of England. She can stay here in this country. Incidentally, her first cousin. It's not a good plan. No. She was 12. See how it is with princesses, girls? We all want to be a princess. Uh, In seventh grade, I think I was still playing with Barbies. I never had Barbies. My mother believed in gender-neutral toys. <laughs> I think mine had no hair. Son? <laughs> she would buy these, like, Swiss me. Like, they were all educational and probably very Montessori stuff. Um, anyway, that year, older sister Ella married the youngest son of the Tsar, a man named Serge, Sergei. And Alex, like cousins at family weddings everywhere, romped and ran on the grounds at Peterhof with the other young people and kids. Among them, 16-year-old Nikki, the groom's nephew, and the future czar of Russia. And they called it puppy love. <laughs> yes. Well, at some point in the week or so they were together, that thunderbolt must have struck. Because Nikki wrote in his diary, we are in love. And Alex drew, brace yourself for this, please. Alex drew wedding gowns all over her diary. You know, Mrs. Nikki Romanoff, Mrs. Alex Hesse Romanoff. <laughs> now, you know... That, I guess, we've all done, but they also scratched their names with a diamond on one of the windows, because every 12-year-old in my circle has a diamond available to scratch on windows. You know what would be really cool is if we take this diamond, I think I have one in my pocket. No, wait, this other one will work better. I know. That (laughs) kills me. And so it began. um, Let's just a brief talk about Nikki for just a second. Right. Unlike the Tudors, the Romanovs had boys. Did they ever? Grandpa had four brothers, two of whom, Vladimir and Sergei, you know, were interfering bastards. Dare I say that? (laughs) I think you just did. And Nicholas had two brothers. I mean, the dynasty itself seemed secure. But in nearly everyone's opinion, Nicky was the wrong man for the job. He was indecisive. He was mild-mannered. He was very small in stature and soft of voice. Next to his beefy, loud, aggressive, in-your-face relatives, he did not 
inspire a lot of confidence. His father and uncles, in fact, used to yell at him, You're a girly, get out! And everybody openly preferred his younger brother, Michael. How does that make you feel? Nicky was so dreading his future, kind of based on nobody's confidence in him and just his personality. And no one prepared him for this, really, at all. No. He was not prepared for kicking A, taking names, inspiring the populace, none of it. Poor little thing. His personality was so different than his father. Now, his father was Alexander III, big, loud, strong, iron fist ruler, yes? Mm -hmm. And for 300 years prior, the Romanov family had had rulers I mean, some were not so good. Yeah. <laughs> you always have a weak link. Yeah, I mean, even the first one in 1613 was, uh, he was 16 years old. He was a nephew of Ivan the Terrible. And that's how the Romanov dynasty actually began. But they had some pretty powerful rulers, people that Nikki could have emulated. But it wasn't in his nature. Mm-mm. Why don't we take a little break right now, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the love story. Have you been to thehistorychicks.com lately? We've put our favorite books from seasons one through three in a little feature we like to call the carousel. It's on the right side of our homepage. Give it a spin, and if you feel inspired to click through and purchase, Amazon.com will throw us some cash. Thanks to Amazon.com, and a special thanks to you, all of our friends, for listening. to a beautiful young lady with a kind of dual personality. Um, with people she knew, she was frivolous. I mean, she's playing the banjo. <laughs> That's not something people with a lot of dignity tend to do. No, just think of all those portraits of her later in life where she's just stone-faced. But now put a banjo in her hand. <laughs> yep. That's hysterical. Well, in public, she cultivated, and cultivated is the word, this shy, reserved, kind of martyrish demeanor. One of her cousins actually told her, Alex, you always play at being sorrowful. One of these days, the Almighty is going to send you some real crushing sorrows, and where will you be then? Mm. I think people should knock on wood when they say I that. Know. Throw some salt, spit on the ground, whatever they got to do. <laughs> Make that sign. Ah. At 16, she came out into society. Now, unlike now, when it's an excuse to give someone a new Mercedes SUV before they go to college, this meant you're ready to be engaged. Ideally, your first season out, so no one thinks you're a hot mess. Having just celebrated my daughter's sweet 16 party. No way! She is so not ready. <laughs> I don't know that anyone was ready. I don't think then. so. No, and Alex actually was pretty smart about it, I think. Well, she did a great job at the coming out ball. She was... Absolutely the master of the situation. All eyes were on her. No problems here. But no engagement either. What is going on? Queen Victoria was kind of taken aback a little. Like, what? What? You can't go to a second season like fanning herself. She threw Eddie, her grandson, and Alex together at Balmoral. You know, Eddie is very handsome, I will say. And he's going to be the king of England. Right. But he's thick as a brick. And she refused his proposal. In a time and a place where duty and family were paramount, this 16-year-old girl went up against her grandmother, her the only maternal figure that she has in her life. 
And she was secretly teaching herself Russian out of a little book. What was Allie's thinking? I don't know. What could she possibly have been thinking? She invited herself to Sister Ella's house in Russia. Take matters into your own hands, girl! <laughs> I love that. I do, I do. I do, too. And it was the winter social season in St. Petersburg. Now, this is just like any other social season in any other high society. There's ballets, there's balls, there's opera, there's champagne suppers that lasted until dawn. These people partied. This was their heavy partying season. They were ice skating during the day, and they would build scaffolding in wood into ramps, cover it with water so it would freeze, and then go tobogganing down it. I love that. There's a hill near here called Suicide Hill. Yes. It's like that. It's very vertical, and I broke my tailbone. Yeah, well, they also had lots of layers. Oh, that's They true. probably had more layers on their tailbone than you do. That is true. <laughs> on the average sledding day. Safe tailbones were had by all. Yeah. Nicholas even hosted a ball in her honor. I mean, it was, he rolled out the red carpet for her, and they, it was like a big date. The six-week-long date. So Sister Ella was behind them, behind her sister, anyway. And her sister had never wavered in this teenage crush she had. Nikki kind of had to be reminded, I think. His father had gone out and gotten him a ballerina mistress, which is just gross to me. <laughs> Let me make you a man. Let me select a ballerina for you. Well, he was looking at, he knew where Nikki's eyes were and where his heart was leaning, and that was not a match that Papa had any intention of allowing to happen. Well, they wanted him to marry a French wife, not mm -hmm. some no-count, small-town, youngest daughter of some small country no one ever heard of. And he didn't want Victoria's meddling in their business. You know what's weird, though, is a lot of Russians liked to marry German princesses because none of these terrible alliances came with it. It's like, mm -hmm. what are they going to do? Right. So I get a wife, but I don't have all that baggage. Right. But not the heir. Not the heir. It was at this point that I lost an important piece of recording, but I thought it was important enough to tell you, even though I sound like Phyllis Diller today, um, that ironically, Nikki's grandmother had been a 14-year-old princess of Hesse, Papa Lewis's aunt, in fact, and a probable bastard at that. So, Grandpa Alexander married very much against his parents' will, too. Now, it was not that very happy of a marriage, as Old Boy had numerous mistresses and as many as seven illegitimate children. Unhappy German princesses, indeed. I may re-record this once I get over this cold and make it invisible. But I thought this was important enough to tell you, even now. Now, back to the real recording. In progress. Thank you. It's good enough for the younger sons. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and those other German princesses weren't as connected as Alex was yeah. to Great Britain. But they still were against it. And they didn't think she had no. the right personality. And mm -mm. Um, she did not make a good impression on society. No. Um, her simple dresses and her shy manners made society kind of dismiss her as this cold and haughty German. They said things like, she's devoid of charm, she's wooden, she has cold eyes, holds herself as if she has swallowed a yardstick. Must have been those deportment lessons that Granny Victoria made her have and made her stand up. Queen Victoria was against this match, too, by the way, and was still pressuring her to marry Eddie. She would say things like, German girls are so unhappy in Russia. She was actually surprised Ella had made it. As long as she had. Yeah, she said that it was a dreadful country, horrid, so bad, so rotten, that at any moment something dreadful might happen. Also, she was very mournful about it because I think she saw the inevitable coming, and she said, oh, to lose Alaki to that unstable and thorny throne. Grandma knows her business. She does. 
So nobody listens to her, of course. Nikki was determined that he wanted to marry Alex. He was determined. For the first time in his life, he had an opinion about something, and he was willing to stand up for it. Mm -hmm. That's a very good thing. So Nicholas still had his eye, even though Papa wasn't thrilled with it, and Alex's grandmother wasn't thrilled with it. He said that someday, my dream is to someday marry Alex. I have loved her for a long while. I mean, he, there's, no, there's no turning these people back. This is a heart match. Well, Nikki asked permission to marry her, and Nikki's parents sent him away. So that would be a no. They sent him away with um, his brother George and a cousin, Prince George of Greece. The three of them were going to travel across the Far East. And you know what they saw? They saw Egyptian dancing girls. Who yes, took they their did. clothes off. That's, that's One person right. in that group was excited about that. The <laughs> other two, two Georges were, did not play for that team. No, not at all. Um, he also saw geishas. And he did. He, when he was in Japan, they, he was very impressed by the Japanese tea ceremony. And he alluded to that perhaps after it was over, something else would happen, but he wasn't allowed to discuss it. My goodness. Now, rumors swirled around that the Russians were acting inappropriately with boys. Probably not Nikki. Probably not. But it was Nikki that ended up at the wrong end of Saber. Yes. He got hit in the head with a sword several times. Um, You know, they fought back with canes, and the policemen came to save him, and it was a great national embarrassment. It was. In my head, I have it as almost like a Three Stooges fight, even though he's, like, bleeding profusely. And he had a scar for the rest of his life from it. I mean, the future czar was just hit in the head with a sword. But... They're fighting him back with bamboo canes. <laughs> Man. Well, Alex was leading a much calmer life. Back at home, she was acting as her father's hostess, like Mary did for Henry VIII. Mm-hmm. Um, she was called Landsmutter, which is basically the mother of the country. Again, no evidence of shyness. She visited the poor, presided at dinners, made speeches. She was very comfortable. Very comfortable in the public eye. In her own country. In her own country. Mm-hmm. After a couple of years in this useful, comforting, cozy life, Alex lost her father to a sudden illness. She was the one closest to her mother, who had died. She was the one closest to her father, who died. She fell apart. She really fell apart. Her brother Ernie became the Grand Duke of Hesse, and she resumed her hostess duties and traveled with him. They were very close, but what would happen when he married? Mm -hmm. His new wife would take over the house and all the duties she was doing now. At 21, Alex was a guest of her brother, really. Right. With no husband, she really didn't have a home. She's no. five years past when she needed to get married, according to everyone's eyeballs. Right, right, yeah. right. So it was, it was looking like a pretty much a spinster existence for her. Yeah. Well, far, far away in Russia, Nikki's parents had taken the brakes off. I think it's because Nikki, who had never given them any trouble, was like a little dog with a bone, and he wasn't letting go, and he was firm. He'd never given them any sass at all, and this must be meant to be, because what the heck was happening? I wonder if they were just relieved he was acting like a man. (laughs) Maybe. Well, he was also still dallying with Matilda, his ballerina. I mean, he was. it was obvious that they could not, because of their different stations in life, ever marry, but the two seemed to have an understanding. (laughs) So maybe they saw, well, he's he's not being swayed by the sex, so it must be something deeper. So maybe. finally, finally, the proposal came. Alex, will you marry me and be the future Tsaritsa of Russia, mother of Tsars? No. 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 And know why? Because Alex was raised a Lutheran. It was, <laughs> you're rolling your eyes. I am completely rolling my eyes. <laughs> you know I have no patience with this kind of thing. I know, but she had to become... 
the Tsaritsa, she would need to convert to Russian Orthodoxy. And she had a crisis of faith because of this. She was raised as a Lutheran. This was a fairly large change. The The Russian church is was very similar to the Catholic church in, in a lot of ways. And some, we obviously aren't going to talk about that. But her religion was founded on breaking off from these types of traditions that the Russian Orthodox church participated in. And so she had a very hard time with it. Okay, here's my point. I find this as irritating as heck. A, where did this come from? Nowhere. B, you don't get to be this martyr on the altar of love by standing in your own freaking way. And this period right here is where I almost lost interest completely. I was like, seriously? Seriously? I have no patience with that. After all this time, now this drama, and everyone trotted out to persuade her. Is this what she wanted? That's, my suspicion is, it has nothing to do with the crisis of faith. It has to do with the crisis of attention. Oh, you think she's going for drama. Because where did that, do you know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean, but I want to give her a little props for having a deep-seated faith and thinking that, no, she wanted to be with them. I mean, they was there was some kind of electricity between the two of them. She wasn't getting any younger. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You're My suspicion. Very valid, very she became valid. very religious later, but right now I'm very suspicious. So Nikki <laughs> went on this four-day drinking binge. Like, what What just happened? <laughs> he was, you know, wringing his hands all bewilderingly in the background. I, you know, I'm sorry to say it. It seems engineered to provide maximum dramatic effect. It's as if, after being Lady Katie for seven years... And Prince William's not proposing, deedly, deedly. Kate Middleton, after all that time, had been like, nah, I think no. People would write her letters, you're ruining his life. And she'd write back, now put your the back of your hand on your forehead. It can never be. <laughs> I just don't know about it. But eventually, persuaded by the following. Sure, you have to convert, but you don't have to actually renounce your Lutheranism. So she accepted. She got that t- conversation from her sister, who had also done the same thing. She had recently converted, and she she said, look, this is what it's really like. These are your objections. This is what the reality is. So basically, they just have to pretend to be, or th- which is fine. Fair enough. Just but tell her. Nobody pretend. knows what's in your heart. True. Only God. True. Or, you know. I mean, there's behaviors that fall into play, but... <laughs> now, so Nikki was full of joy. I'd be angry. I would be so angry she had turned me into this butt of jokes and this object of pity. You know what I mean? I'd be mad at her, but whatever. <laughs> He's not that guy. They had this brilliant period of romanticness. Like, smell of lilac, sound of opera, at least one serious makeout session uh-huh. in a hidden hut. <laughs> Woo! Although usually they had a chaperone who was awesomely named Gretchen von Fabrice. Those links. It sounds like it sounds like a made-up stripper name. Well, anyway, they had to cool it in their respective countries for a while. They did. And at, now, at the time, Tsar Alexander's health is starting to fail. A few years prior, the family had been on a train ride. The train had derailed, and the car they were in had flipped over. Papa Alexander crawled out, hoisted up the roof of the train on his shoulders, so the whole family could climb out of this train wreck. I mean, that image alone. There's a man. That's the that man. <laughs> that is Nicholas. Look to that. That is the man. That's not what the kind of... Nicholas is one of the guys that crawled out of the train. <laughs> Thanks, Daddy. Anyway, because of that, he had 
suffered some internal injuries and his internal organs were permanently damaged. And at this point, his um, kidney is starting to fail. But it, it's, slow, it's a slow progression. But he's definitely, he's losing weight. He's becoming weaker. He's definitely not the strong papa that can lift the train on his shoulders. Well, the word went out. Queen Victoria's beautiful granddaughter was engaged, the one who had refused the crown of England. People went crazy. Alex was still having trouble with her legs, which really never healed from that greenhouse incident. And she went incognito to a spa town, but people literally pressed their faces on the glass to catch a glimpse of her. <laughs> she was mobbed when she tried to leave. Here's a telling comment on the attention-getting person. She wouldn't have minded if she just hadn't been in her wheelchair at the time. You know, I'm not with my glasses. Don't take the picture. <laughs> Wait, I do that. <laughs> I do love that the vendors were all in her face to give her free stuff. Uh, they want to say, you know, as worn by Selena Gomez, you know, this piano is owned by the Zarina or whatever. <laughs> yeah, this could have gone on for years, this, like, visiting back and forth. But for one thing, Nikki's father collapsed at 49, and Nikki begged Alex to come help him. Um, she arrived to find everything all panicky in OOC. Czar Alexander was feeding fast, and Nikki was not taking charge. And this surprises who? Nobody. <laughs> Two of the uncles, Vladimir and Sergei, were bickering over details and bossing him around. Nizar died shortly after Alex came to Russia, and Nicholas's response was, the strong, the powerful, what's going to happen to Russia? I'm not prepared to be a czar. I know nothing of the business of ruling. I never wanted to become a czar. That is very inspirational. <laughs> I know. Yeah, if I were a Russian person, I would really put my faith in him. And now I think, with Nicholas powerfully in charge and on top of everything, now it's time to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the beginning of this reign that started so optimistically. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with over 100,000 titles for you to choose from. For you, the listeners of the History Chicks, Audible is offering a free download so you can try out their service. To go along with this episode, we recommend The Romanovs, the final chapter by Robert Massey. This book follows the last Romanov family from the days of plenty through their brutal and untimely end at the hand of their enemies. To receive your free audiobook download today, Please visit audible.com slash thehistorychicks or simply follow the link on our website, thehistorychicks.com. facing his duty. Not really. Alex would privately encourage him, but Tsar Nicholas II, as he now was, just could not pull it together. Queen Victoria sent her oldest son, Bertie. Remember, he was also not trained to rule, but he had the advantages of ego and loudness and charm, really, to help him. And in front of the heir to the British throne, everyone put on this teamwork face instantly. Like, ooh, you know, oh, stranger on deck. 
Be right. cool. Be cool. Yeah. But seriously, a foreigner comes in and arranges the czar's funeral because all the Russians are fighting. And did Nikki, you know, not have his spine? What the heck? Get out now. <laughs> are you not seeing this? It's too late. She thought the whole family was just in deep grief. Mm-mm-mm. Well, the day after her papa-in-law died, Alex went through the conversion ceremony, mm-hmm. taking the Russian Orthodox name of Alexandra Fedorovna, although she wanted to be called Catherine, but they wanted her to hearken back to a previous ruler. So, fair enough. Um, and it was close to her real name, so it was less of an adjustment. Yeah. But that Fedorovna kind of threw me, because usually that name, which is called a patronymic will tell people who your father was. But in this case, her father's name's Louis, and she's not Louis Evna. That kind of is awkward. She's named, as many foreign brides are named, after a cathedral, the cathedral in which she was converted to Orthodoxy. So, Theodorovna it is. The wedding. I'll say that. I can't do that one. Evgeny weeps. He weeps. (laughs) I know, I'm sorry, Evgeny. (laughs) Say it one more time. Say it. Say it. Feodorovna. Wow. I'll redeem myself later, I swear. We'll drink some vodka. It'll be oh, hard. my gosh. That would make this so much easier. <laughs> and we have coffee. Dang. <laughs> the wedding took place only 25 days after father-in-law's death. Not a glorious occasion of joy that she had anticipated, but among bickering family members, a shocked groom and a, a bit of illusion shattering, I bet. Oh, I'm sure. For one day, the black mourning color was banished and white was allowed, but there was a small ceremony. There was no reception. There was no wedding breakfast. There was no honeymoon. It was just a ceremony, and it was very much like a funeral and very much like the wedding of her own mother six months after Alice's father, Prince Albert, had died. Now, do you remember that scene in Marie Antoinette, um, the movie, the Sofia Coppola movie, when mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst has to stand there and be naked and endure the passing of the underwear. Mm-hmm. Okay, Alex's wedding day was kind of like this times ten. All the German entourage had to depart that day. So all the Russian regime is in place in this room, mm-hmm. the ladies, but nobody quite knows what the deal is. Okay, gloves on a silver plate, who's handing this? Unfathomable etiquette and all. They're not really explaining it to her. She's sitting there like a doll, being handed things, accepting mm-hmm. whatever's given to her. Right. She doesn't know. At least she wasn't naked for most of it, so no. that's good. She wasn't naked, but they just kept putting more jewels on her and more jewels on her. At one point, she said she felt she was pinned to the ground, <laughs> and her mother-in-law said, yes, but it's one of the lesser weights to be borne by Russian empress. Yes. Oh. Mother-in-law put on the crown, mm-hmm. the coronet is what it is. The very last thing to go on was the veil, and the certain man had to figure the veil. This certain man, where was he? Where was this man that had to do the last thing? Nowhere in the palace. The time for the wedding came. The time for the wedding went. Thousands of people are waiting and started to whisper, what the heck was the bride doing? She's so rude. She's so German. What is she doing? <laughs> and Alex just sat there in front of the mirror like a statue, you know, with tears in her eyes for an hour. The hairdresser had been basically told he wasn't on the list and he was outside the door this whole time. You know what? If the fate of the Russian Empire depends on this one dude, perhaps he might have been allowed to spend the night in the palace. You would think. If he was that important. And on the wedding day, who got precedence over the bride? You guessed it. Mother-in-law. The wedding was even held on her birthday, which is kind of rude. Anyway, she was 47, which is very young. Her husband had been taken very young. Yes. She didn't get to enjoy all the perks for as long as she thought she was going to do. No. You know, it was a beautiful ceremony. Like Susan said, though, it was... 
not nearly as grand as it could have been. Um, Alexandra wore the traditional silver dress with a long 12-foot train of cloth of gold, very elaborate. Mother-in-law cried ostentatiously the whole ceremony. And not in that, it's so beautiful! (laughs) No, not that kind of cry. Well, let's just pause for a second and think about, let's see, if Alexandra is that dramatic and Mom was that dramatic, I think perhaps Nikki picked someone that was like his mother. (gasps) And you know what I was thinking is that Alexandra picked someone a lot like her father. Oh, yeah. It's all well and good to be ineffectual and friendly when you're the prince of a very small country Mm -hmm. and there's plenty of food and everybody's a family. Right. But when you run one-sixth of the entire population and landmass of the world, you need to put your big boy boots on. Especially if it's not running, being run properly. Yeah. I mean, the whole economy was starting to collapse. Well, on a lighter note, two funny things about the wedding. <laughs> Bertie was at the wedding, and he kept getting congratulated by people on his wedding. And... I thought, what the heck? You don't know what Nicholas looks like, but if you were to see pictures of them, it is like that that show from the 60s, that cousins, identical cousins, blah, blah, blah. One of them even had a British accent. It was just like it. They look identical. Yeah. We'll put a picture up in our show notes, but there's there's, there's a portrait of them taken together. and It's kind of it's kind of cool. It's kind of creepy. Also, <laughs> it's kind cool, but creepy. Yes. And also, Alex went missing during part of this little ceremony afterwards where you stand around and talk and congratulate and bow and, you know, the little receiving line or whatever. Alex went missing. Her brother went looking for her, and she was in another room. Her dress and her headdress were so heavy, she was basically unable to move. She had become stuck. She really was pinned to the ground. She wasn't strong enough to move in the dress, and they called two strong men to help her come into the room. Okay, wedding dresses are hard enough to pee in. I can't even... Oh, yeah. You rust. I mean... (laughs) You couldn't. You just couldn't. So on the way back, the streets were lined with people. Um, The security detail was overwhelmed. Alexandra and Nikki were in a carriage just surrounded by people, jostling it back and forth, screaming, Little Father! Little Father! They were so happy to see him. Everyone was very happy. Yeah, even though they weren't really crazy about his bride choice, it was still... It was still a joyous occasion. But she looked like an empress, is the thing. She's tall, she wore the jewels well, so... Married life started out a little rough. Yeah, the um, Dowager Empress Marie and now Empress Alexandra did not exactly have personalities that meshed. To make it even worse, because the wedding was so rushed, Nikki and Alex had no place to move to. So they had to live with the mother-in-law. That alone should set up an entire scenario of situations that could occur. Throw in the facts that Alex was basically quiet. She was very Victorian, very small, towny in some regards in her personality. She was kind of stuffy and shy. Um, her French, which was the language of the aristocrats in Russia, was okay. Her Russian was n- not very good. So she's she's coming off really awkward, really socially awkward. Flip side, Marie has been in this position for a very long time. She was, spent many years in Russia. She was totally in, engulfed in the culture. She was Very traditionally regal Russian clash. Total opposites. Also, mother-in-law assigned them some really shoddy rooms. In fact, Nikki 
didn't stand up. Surprise, surprise. And so they ended up in his childhood suite of rooms. Like, his childhood bedroom was, like, Transformers on the wall, Rock'em Sock'em Robot posters. Think about that. You know, not really. Yeah. I'm just painting a picture. It's like, I marry someone. I am now the ruler of all I survey, and here I am, here again. Mm. Well, there wasn't any rooms available. Ha, <laughs> ha, He needs yeah. the best rooms. He's the yeah. biggest cheese. Yeah. But mother-in-law is not seeing it. And I don't even know that she even thought that, because she was so used to the position that she had. I don't know that she was being necessarily vindictive and manipulative, but... She, she Maybe she was just ignorant of the thought that when she got married to her husband, she had never had her, a mother-in-law in the house. So she had never had the relationship. There's a lot of protocol things that never came into play. For instance, when they walk into a room, his mother is on his arm, on Nicholas's arm, and Alexandra, his wife, is behind them walking into a room. Which I think is completely backwards of how it ought to be. Completely, but that's the way it was established, and these people were, it's the protocol, that's the way it is. It's tradition, we do it. Well, I, Nikki depended on his mother so heavily, I think she, I do think she was running things for quite a while. Um, Mom has set this whole spy network in place, and they love to twist everything Alex did or said mm-hmm. around, and nothing she could do or say would pass without some snide comment. This constant intrigue was just wearing on her. This horrible, backbiting court. His whole family is just, ugh. And her confidence just, like, eroded away as if he poured acid on it. Although she did, there was a couple things that she did that kind of showed a little spark. The crown jewels. The crown jewels belong to the state, but they belong in the property of the empress, not the dowager empress who had them. So when they were requested, the dowager empress was not, was hesitant to give them up. And so Alexandra basically said, well, if she wants them, she can have them. Well, she can't really. <laughs> Made a big deal out of it, so Mama had to give them over. But she kept about 300 pieces, <laughs> which weren't so famous and recognizable. Uh-huh. Like, oh, well, I'll send you the ones that people might notice, but I'm going to keep all these other ones. Like 300 pieces of jewelry. <laughs> it's these people. You know, remember she was fine before this. Remember how good she was at home? And if people had given her the chance, and I think... It was in the mother-in-law's power to have made that happen. If she had just gotten behind Alex and her position and encouraged the people to respect her, mm-hmm. it would have been so different. But instead, she kind of loved the mockery. And I love how Alex used to seek out this diplomat from Turkey. Mm-hmm. And everyone was so amazed. Like, he was so boring. And everyone hated to sit by him. Thank God she's brave and took it on. He felt so flattered. But the fact is, he hardly talked. And she loved him because he was boring. And he didn't mock her for anything. And so every time he was at a party, beeline for uh-huh. that guy. He was safe. Yeah, exactly. Base. Base on Turkey. <laughs> so she is, you know, making friends in the house. And Nikki was out antagonizing the masses who needed his help with little things, you know, like no food and poverty. By saying, you people who have ideas of having some say in your life are full of senseless dreams. <laughs> Literally, senseless dreams. Yeah. This sounds awesome. Aren't you so happy that you came here? And I'm in charge of you. You are the boss of me. Great. The only time these people let up on her, this spy network, this mockery, this, like, mocking her friends to her face, basically, was, hey, the Serena's fainting, and she's sick. Woohoo! The prime directive is being carried out. 
true because her job is to, to produce an heir. And she was pregnant pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. She went way overdue. We all know those people. 40 weeks comes and goes, mm-hmm. and then they keep going and keep going. I mean, she was three weeks, almost a month overdue. And the baby, when it came, was huge. With a big head. Ten pounds for a first baby is just huge, especially at that time. Yeah. Man. And a girl. Olga. Ouch. But they loved her. I mean, it was the first baby. They didn't... Yes, a boy would have been wonderful. Alex and Nikki loved, loved, loved her. Remember Queen Victoria disapproved of baby worship and warned Mm -hmm. against it, but these people did not care. Did not care. She sent over a strict nanny, in fact. Queen Victoria (laughs) did. But Alex actually breastfed the baby herself, and Nikki carried her around talking baby talk like a fool, which I think is good, Daddy. (laughs) Yeah, they loved... Olga was a very wanted child. Yes. For sure. Absolutely. I I think all of them were wanted, although we'll get into that a little bit later. But about a year and a half after his father's death, it was time for the coronation ceremony. Um, when Nicholas is crowned, it's a it's a religious ceremony. It's a formal marriage of the Tsar to Russia. That's the kind of the concept of the whole thing. So think big wedding, not a state service, but a religious service. Yeah, this event was the grandest of them all. This event, the coronation of Nicholas II, dwarfed the wedding. That little wedding looked like some little sad picnic at a park shelter mm-hmm. compared to this. Ten million dollars in today's money on top of what everybody already owned. Now, this is Russia, where the women have buttons made of emeralds the size of robin eggs. <laughs> just laying around. Yeah, yeah. So if that kind of opulence is just laying around and then you throw ten more million dollars on top of it, now you get a picture of the glittering procession. One million people turned out to see the Tsar go by. Anyone who had a rooftop overlooking the procession route could rent it for the equivalent of $5,000. It was like a bonus weekend. Like living next to the fair and renting out your front yard for cars. Um, So a million people saw him go by on his white horse with the silver shoes on. Alexander came in the second carriage behind Mm you-know-who. Her Uh mother-in-law kills me. It was a glassed-in carriage that was awesome, but it was stiflingly hot. Because, you know, you park your car in the sun, and it just gets hotter and hotter in there. There's no windows that open. You can't crack a window in a carriage. And here she's got this court dress on. and So if she seemed a little strained, she was probably just about to faint from heat. Oh, sure. I'm sure she was a little dewy by the time she arrived. On the day itself, most people had not gone to bed the night before because they wanted to save their space. And so they were cheering their heads off, and all this is on film. This is a weird intersection of time Mm -hmm. where you can get pictures and film, like No Tomorrow, but yet the people are still writing letters. So you've got the old and then the new, and I think that's part of what makes the Romanovs so approachable and so romantic to us. They look familiar because they're... We've seen them on familiar images, mm-hmm. even though their life was very old. Yeah, I, you said very beautifully. Nicky crowned himself as he was subject to no one but God, <laughs> which well, is interesting. Yeah. And then he... At least his mother didn't do it. Oh, ah. Wow, she probably campaigned for it. Yeah, probably. Then he crowned Alexandra, and it's funny, they had secretly practiced because Nikki was um, nervous that he would mess it up in uh-huh. front of everyone. So they had the, the crowns brought, and during rehearsal, Alex had been stabbed by a big hat pin, which did not inspire confidence. No. <laughs> and something bad happened during a little bit of a quieter moment. 
some important state coronation jewels fell off of him and fell to the ground, and it was considered a very bad omen. And everyone that saw it happen was quickly sworn to secrecy. That is a very superstitious culture. Yes. And that was seen as, we can't let that get out. No, we'll just no. keep it all under our hat. And that particular method of keeping things quiet was also a family trait, but that's foreshadowing. <laughs> so here's what people said about Alex going in to get crowned. Alex had a, quote, seriously aloof attitude. She seemed strained. She looked full of dread. She had the face of a martyr walking to her funeral pyre. I think people better take some improv classes. <laughs> And then you can't do it. you got to fake it. I don't know why she never learned that you got to... Maybe she thought she was coming off as regal. Oh, perhaps. Because don't you have faces that you think are one thing, and then when you see them, it's something else? Pretty much every smiley face I try to do in a photo. You just don't have a smiley face. No, you do. <laughs> so they came out from being crowned, and Moscow had secretly outlined buildings in electric lights. This is pretty cool. It's a little dark. The switch was thrown, and all at once, 200,000 electric lights lit up the city. Now, we have a thing here. It's an old shopping center called the Plaza. It was built in the 20s, and they light that thing up. Modern day, Mm -hmm. to this day, half a million people go down to see that happen. And every year, even though they've seen it before, everybody goes, ah. So can you imagine a populace who's never seen the like of anything like that? who's never seen that many electric lights in one place, it must have been like, what a capper to the evening. They probably talked about that for years. Of course. And and maybe it's an omen of our bright future. You know? Oh, yes. I don't know. I just made that up. But if I was there. (laughs) People broke into song. Broke into song. It was like a um, big flash mob. Everybody had broke into the same song. It was wonderful. That week, however, see, that was the good. That, that was, was the good very ending. good. The bright end. Yeah. Yeah. It just ended there. That would have been excellent. Yes, but it didn't. But that week was the public coronation feast to be held in an army training ground called Kadinka Field. Not such a good choice because this field was crisscrossed with trenches and full of wells. I blame Uncle Sergey because it was his yeah. job to coordinate this thing. Yeah, you're not the only one that blames Uncle Sergey. Yeah. So, little packets of souvenirs had been made up. With the, um, It had a commemorative mug and these nuts and sausage and bread all wrapped up in this kerchief with a picture of the Kremlin and portraits of Alex and Nikki. This cute little packet. And people poured in to get these packets. Well, sure. I would, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. It's cute. Well, now, swag. Well, <laughs> yeah, some swag. Some sausages. Coronation swag. And snacks. And Yes. Perfect. Only 60 police, though, had been assigned here. Okay, they already knew how many people might come because they made 400,000 packets. So you can't plead ignorance that you didn't know how many people were coming. Because why did you make all those packets then? But anyway, 60 police were facing thousands and thousands of people pouring in from every direction. And rumors started that there wouldn't be enough presents for everybody. And the push started. And the push ended up killing, and I read anywhere between 1,300 and 3,000. The official total was 1,500, and it is well known that that is way lower. Low. Not and that that was really much better than 4,000, 4, 1,500, you know. Yeah. Somewhere in there is the true number. Yeah, it's it's not good. But they couldn't count the bodies because things had to keep progressing, so they threw tarps over them so that the 
royals didn't see the dead people. Children among them. I mean, it's, these it, people were trampled. Trampled. And they were stuck in those trenches, and they were just, people would fall on top of them. More people, more people, more people, more people. It was bad. It was described the next morning as a battlefield. Mm -hmm. That's how bad it looked there. And somebody that was filming actually had his camera seized and broken. A Frenchman that was there specially for the coronation. Well, the expectation was that the scheduled grand ball that night would be canceled and turned into some kind of memorial service. But no, his uncles had persuaded Nikki to go on. So how did this look? And even though Nikki and Alex were distraught, I mean, they were they were sad and crying. Their faces were red and their eyes were red. That doesn't matter. The ball still went on. They drank and they danced for hours and hours while outside these wooden carts hauled broken people away. Not good. Mm-mm. Also... Even worse, he had previously canceled two events to honor the death of Archduke Karl of Austria, so how did that look? One man of rank is worth more than thousands of his own people. Mm-hmm. It was a bad image. It was a let-them-eat-cake image. It was bad. It may have planted some seeds, really. Oh, yes. I completely agree. See, it just gets better and better. I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We were talking and talking and talking and talking. Who knew there was so much? There is quite a bit. And, you know, we like to keep it at an hour-ish. And it looks like it's going to go a little bit longer. So what we're going to do is we're going to break this up into two episodes, just so you don't get overwhelmed. <laughs> and when we come back, we will talk about Alex's integration into Russian society and the little family that they made together. For show notes, links to the things we talked about today, or to donate, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at thehistorychicks with an X, or like us on Facebook without an X. If you liked us in real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. Our music comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. <laughs>